are now tuned in to another episode of Urban and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. Welcome to another edition of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev, along with our dear brother, Cousin Jeff, back in the building one more again. Gentlemen, Welcome how are back. you? Hey, man. Welcome back. Welcome back, Cuzzo. People been asking about me, so, you know, I'm back. Hey, man, we, we missed you. We missed you last go around, man. You know that Will book. That Will book was 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 heavy, man. It was it was it was, it was heavy with the pages. Took him, took Very him, heavy. Took him out, bro. Took him. <laughs> like real talk, real talk, man. How much of the book you get through, though, man? For real. How much of the Will book you get through? I mean, to be honest, well, you talking about beginning or like since then? Nah, just just when the time that it was supposed to be done, when the assignment was due, <laughs> how much of it had you completed? The title. <laughs> no. I- I was I was probably midway. Okay. I was probably midway. midway. Okay, that's real. That's real. I mean, something that y'all talk, talked about that I was like, I probably should do this. I should have sped up the, the audio book. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think that was my first time doing the audio, so that was interesting in itself. Mm. It was entertaining. Did you enjoy the book? I did. I mean, you know, I listened to the pod. I thought y'all made some like good points and like things that I, I didn't think about in terms of. I mean, like I never think about how iconic, you know, like Will is. So listening to it, I was like, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. So. Yeah, man, I didn't think he was that. You know, it didn't it didn't click until I read the book. It's like, yo, yeah. Will Smith, Will Smith, kind of heavy in the game, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get that, I get that. Well, I'm glad, be glad to have you back, man. I appreciate. Yeah, man, we're glad you had about because because brother Jay he was gonna send an APB out on you. This this go round, man. I was gonna, I was gonna talk shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was I was ready to talk shit too. I was ready. We Yo. had a bet. We had a bet and everything. Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, Good man. One. I'm surprised you're here. I'm surprised you're here. <laughs> I'm surprised you're here, man. Thank you. We are gonna thank God for your space in the building. That's all. Yeah, man. That's all right. That's all right, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, this month's book, uh, I came as a shadow, Dope. an auto, an autobiography. In true John fashion. Thompson. In true fashion, right? You know, we got the skeleton. Uh, how we go down? Just by title alone, I will say that I was intrigued. Only because I read the poem before. Hmm. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh. And and just by the, the picture on the cover and just how you've seen Uncle John, right? He was like everybody's uncle. So by the title alone, I I was excited, I was intrigued, and I assumed that he was going to talk about how he did not come as like the main character of the book. Like his purpose was to come like like the shadow and and be the not necessarily the afterthought, but like what supports or what is always there when the light is on. What were your thoughts? When you read the poem, did you know that was his uncle? I didn't. At the time when I read it, I did not know. And I didn't make the connection until um, 
I researched the book and I looked and it was like made the connection. I was like, oh, that's easy. oh, that's crazy. That's dope. Yeah, man. Because I, I was, I'm like, oh, that was that's that was his uncle. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, for me, man. Um, I really, I really didn't know what to expect from from the title. I came as a shadow um, because I think part of me. Um, being a just a big fan of Georgetown basketball and being a big fan of, of John Thompson, like my grandfather was a big fan of John Thompson. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I always knew he had personality, but I guess, like, yo, how can, how can a 6'10 brother with a booming voice be a shadow? <laughs> right? And um, so I didn't quite get the title because I had never read the poem before. The poem um, that you referred to is called uh, Nocturne Viral uh, by Louis Alexander. And the poem goes, I came as a shadow. I stand now a light. The depth of my darkness transfigures your night. My soul is a nocturne. Each note is a star. The light will not blind you. So look where you are. The radiance is soothing. There's warmth in the light. I came as a shadow to dazzle your night. So, I, you know, the, the, the more I read the book, um, the more the poem made sense, the more the title made sense. Because I came as a shadow. I'm like, all right, well, John Thompson has been, he's been a public figure mm-hmm. for well over 50, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, you know, I, I was, I was really trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what's hidden, what was hidden in the story within the shadow? And so, yeah, yeah. The cover is dope though, man. Cause it's like classic John Thompson. You got the, you got the big uh, aviator glasses on the towel draped across his shoulder. So it was, it was cool to understand and learn more about the significance of the towel Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I was like, "Yo, this dude <laughs> legit." It was, and then you know, yeah, you, you know, how you still, you know, how you still hand towels from the hotel. Yeah, especially like if you if you somewhere hot and, and you got to go outside, man, you take the take the little Listen, uh, the, with, with the body. <laughs> I don't leave home without one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't let me go to a good, good, good hotel. <laughs> oh yeah, man, the I'm plush like, joints. <laughs> oh, this is nice. They gonna have to charge me for this. One. Yeah, man, you 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 can you can be just take them just to take them. Yeah. <laughs> Got nothing to do with it here. Uh, I don't pay for this hotel room. I'm gonna take a towel. It's a nice Dude. towel. Somebody be like, "Ain't this towel nice?" You'd be like, oh, <laughs> "There they go. The towels is gone. We got to do better. Yeah, man. We got to do better." But it, but usually it's like usually it's like a hand towel. You know, the hand towel is the medium joint, right? But John Thompson was that wasn't a hand towel. That's that's like a full body towel. That he was it looked like a hand towel on his. It looked like a hand towel on him though. Six ten, like yo, how are you? No, where, where, where are the shadows that you, that you hiding in, brother? Six ten, yeah. and so yeah, the title, the title was a little confusing to me, but it made sense the more I read. So, yeah. So when I saw we were reading um, this book, my first thought was like, oh, you know, that's the coach from Georgetown, the famous coach. So I was excited. I was intrigued because I didn't know his story. You know, a lot of stuff that I was reading, not being from the D.C. area, I just didn't know how that whole thing, like, came about. Um, but I just always knew about, like, this figure of um, John Tom. And, and to be honest, I feel like he was someone 
who I wanted to know more about, but I never just did a search or just went and just found, you know, more information. Um, but just thinking about the title alone, I guess it made me think about, you know, to the, to the certain extent, like they don't see me, but they know that I'm there. Like if I had to change the title, like that's what I was thinking. And I was like, I wonder how this will relate to this, this, this bigger story. Um, but I, I do think that the the title of this book is definitely something that would, would pull you in. And I wonder, um, not going like too deep in, in the book, I know he started off with one author and then like that author like passed away. Um, and then he ended up finishing his book with another author. And I think from what I gather, he just was, he took some of the first things that they did and then he kind of incorporated, um, I guess, um, his style in terms of this new author. But I say all that to say, I wonder if this title came from, you know, the first author or this was something that evolved uh, when they kind of completed the book. Yeah, I I will say that's a good point. I would say um, the timing of the book was eerie as well, because I think when the book came out, he had already passed away. Yep. Yeah, he died a month after it was released. No, mm-hmm. he died a month before it or, was released. Yeah, yeah, so he didn't get to record the audiobook. Yeah, but what I will say from the audiobook, um, when I sped it up, but I could actually hear him or see him in the different scenes. Right, the the narrator did a very good job of projecting and inflecting. Especially when he did the twelve letter, uh, twelve letter red fire truck word. Uh, oh yeah, because <laughs> he dropped them all the time, right? And oh so, yeah. So like, whenever he would say that, I would, I it would catch me off guard, and I would like literally bust out laughing. Like, yeah, I can, I could see and hear him saying stuff like this, and I think that's what made the book very relatable. And, you know, you make a good point. I do think that the way that the narrator spoke, I could see Uncle John. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uncle John. My Uncle John passed away last year. Um, I can see Uncle John. But uh, I guess the voice was kind of annoying to me, too. I just did not, <laughs> like, whoever was narrating, like, over. I wish it was someone else. But I do agree. The way that he narrated, I can just hear john um throughout it did you speed up the narration uh in the beginning i did well i started off and then i like through it i kind of like sped it up a little bit so i heard how like this person sound mm-hmm. 1.3 is normally my sweet spot <laughs> so. for those of you who are trying to <laughs> get through books to complete the assignment <laughs> in a timely fashion <laughs> Gems from the pod. Gems from the pod. One point three speed. It's it's good. <laughs> it's slow enough for normal diction, but it the dramatic pauses aren't as dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't speed it up, but I but you could you could hear his cadence. Yep. Having having uh, you know seeing John Thompson in person before and hearing uh, interviews and things like that, you could hear the cadence of the author throughout the book as well. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was good. So what was, um, there was so many good pieces within the book. Overall, I think, um, 
I it really was like I was sitting down listening to my uncle tell stories about way back when. And it wasn't that, you know, sometimes you get the books give you too many details and it's like, all right, we could have we could have fast forwarded this. He gave you enough. Um, and I really appreciated how he ended the chapter with like a a good <clears throat> like every chapter ended and you were like, OK. Um, and so all of the stories, um, the funny um, I, I love the rabbit. Right and oh yeah, like Elgin Baylor, the Elgin Baylor story, mm-hmm. and the best part yeah. was like I went to church with Elgin's sister, and mm. so <laughs> seeing him randomly, not knowing who he was, and then like being told who he was as a kid, and then it was like, oh, him, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. connecting stuff, um, it was it was interesting the history of DC how he was woven into the fabric of the development of the district. Um, and then the integration concept, the segregation concept, just how he became who he was and he remained humbled throughout the whole entire process. So like overall, I thought it was a good read. Um, what was, what were some of your favorite parts of the book? Man, it was so it was so many, man. So many. First of all, full disclaimer. Full disclaimer, man. Um, I went to I went to Georgetown Elementary School. Alonzo Morning graduated from my high school, Indian River High School, Chesapeake, Virginia. And Allen Iverson is one of the greatest athletes to ever lace up a pair of sneakers. Is also from the Hampton Roads area. So I'm I'm somewhat biased because <laughs> I've been a Georgetown fan. <laughs> I've been a Georgetown fan way before Big Boy um, was screaming ATL Georgia, bulldogging them niggas like the Georgetown Hoyas. I was I've been a I've been a I've been a, a Georgetown Hoya fan for quite some time, man. And so um hearing one thing I didn't, one thing I don't think I ever, I ever uh, knew, though, as far as new information, I didn't know he was born and raised in D.C. And so, like, him going through. Be, be very clear on what you're saying, right? He wasn't just born in D.C. He was born yeah, he was, in, in in D.C. Yeah, he was in D.C. In D.C., D.C. The east of the Anacostia. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, man. Oh. South, south, yeah, south, man. South, 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 southeast. southeast. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't, I, I don't think I ever knew that. But um, him referencing a lot of the um, historical places in the area, a lot of the housing projects in the area, and then him talking about his journey, you know, out of the out of the housing projects um, and leveraging education when education didn't accept him. Mm-hmm. You know how he talked about his learning disabilities and being held back in school and, you know, having kind of confidence issues and not necessarily being uh, typical, you know, when you're six, when you're six foot tall in the sixth grade, and then you get held back in the sixth grade only to be taller in sixth grade part two, like, you know, that can mess up your mind mentally, man. And so I just, I really enjoyed hearing a lot of the stories, connecting the dots, 
but hearing about his maturation and a lot of the values that he held near and dear to his heart and really carried him out till his last days, you know, as far as just wanting to be a trailblazer and uh, remove barriers for people that look like him or come from same socioeconomic backgrounds that he came from as well. Um, it was, you, you, you mentioned something brother Jay that, yeah, it did seem like you was talking to like your grandfather, uncles, and, you know, the kind of reminiscing talking about, you know, what life was like before the sixties yeah, and then 68 MLK is assassinated and all of the cities across the country are burning down, but he's like, hands-on in it in dc in 1968 which kind of blew my mind so the history lessons that he gave um were powerful to me but i think the difference between say reading a book and then listening to like relatives talking about back in the day and a lot of the struggles was that he kind of blended history into the time that i could actually remember history so he went into he went into um, he kind of gave like a historical timeline, but it was based on the athletes that he had coached and the stages of his program. And then when it got to the eighties, I was like, Oh, I remember this, this, and this, I remember, uh, Patrick Ewing, you know, being dominant, but, but losing in the final four, the win, the win, the championship, to lose it again. I remember, of course, Alonzo Mourning going to, you know, the press conference and everything, and him going to Georgetown. I remember when uh, Douglas Wilder pardoned Allen Iverson, gave him clemency and released him from jail. Then he ended up going to Georgetown. Like I, and, and, and it's a part in the book that he talks about, I guess, the Kente cloth patterns of their uniforms that they wore in like 96. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, everybody... At least if at least you if you were from South Southside Hampton Roads or Hampton Road, everybody wanted that Georgetown jersey. And yeah, I remember I, Yeah, and I remember I remember um I, you know they had the Nike deal, of course, but I remember Allen Iverson in that jersey rocking um the patent leather Jordan elevens. So this is like 96. I, I remember that image vividly. So I, I thought the book was great and really weaving in history, but it wasn't just about, oh, that's just some old time of talking. He he also dropped some gems yeah. for, for people of today as well. And I, I you know, I, I really, I really did enjoy, I enjoyed the read from start to finish. I did. I did. I would say, I really don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> when I opened this book. I mean, I thought to a certain extent, you know, because it's like, I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to learn about this basketball coach, which that's that's what the book talked about. But I feel like it was so much more than learning about this, this basketball coach. You brought up a lot of just great points in terms of, um, I guess one of the, the lines that stuck with me when he says, Obviously, he had his his struggles early on with education and reading. But from a Georgetown standpoint, he said they went from not recruiting me because I was black to hiring me because I was black, which is such a powerful statement. But it also just shows the awareness. I feel like we we go through life so many times and you're just moving so quickly. You're not putting like dots together or you're not really understanding what is my purpose here, like in this moment. Um, if I could retitle the book, you can almost can say it's purpose-driven life. 
he just understood his purpose like from the beginning like from the jump yeah yeah and it's i think it's so powerful like when somebody can they can see that so early on and they they see the impact that they're making it's like it's bigger than just basketball you know another quote he kind of says in a book um i think it says something to the extent that most people think that my impact is when the basketball is flat because it's like look he understood basketball it won't be at least for him or for players forever it's like what are you going to do outside of that what is the impact that you're going to make I always appreciate when being someone that's not from this area when someone has a story that is, is talking about everything like in DC and what it looked like at that time I think it gives you like a, chron- a, uh, a time event from a different standpoint. So it's different from just going to the museum or going to the newspaper and feel like you're reading something boring. He telling you about basketball stats. He also telling you like politically, like this is what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really did appreciate that with the book. I was so impressed when he was going by and just running the stats. Like this individual had this, this, this in the third quarter. And then like, while I was driving, I was like, man, I wonder if, I wonder if he has like most of his games, 596 wins. Like if he could pinpoint something from each of those games. And then the way he was just talking and just giving the information, I actually felt like I was a player when he was given some of those life lessons, like yeah. the conversations. Um, I loved how he kept um, Sameta Wallace Jackson, like when he kept using her full name. Oh man, he never, he never said Mrs. Wallace Jackson. He said her full Sameta name the entire book. Jackson. Right. And yes. I, and Appreciate, but from the older generation, how like they'll do things like that. Yeah. 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 yeah and it was like, it, it was like it was ingrained like this is who she was and it, it was I thoroughly enjoyed how he shared who his teachers were not just within the classroom who he learned from who he shaped and who well who shaped him and, and molded him and who he carried with him like when he broke down why he had the towel on his shoulder bro that was deep yeah or, man for me, like, I'm just like, whoa. Like, all he, you always saw him with the towel. And so, like, that was that was conscious. That was, like, intentional. I'm not going to do this without them on my shoulder, right? And so that was powerful for me. Um, his mother on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not going to go. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to do what I'm called to do. And the, the beauty about it was, like, he didn't even want to coach. Like he didn't even want to coach. He wanted to teach. He And then he, when he had that epiphany, like, yo, this is my classroom. Yeah. This is, this is my version of teaching. And I, I thought that was profound because a lot of us, like when we have these conversations about like what we want to do, we think it has to be a certain way, right? Like if I want to be a pilot, then I have to be a pilot in the army. I mean, or, you know, military or like, you don't really understand that you can be a pilot and then become a pilot instructor. Like you don't really have to get plane after a while, but it, he, he dropped so many gems, man. Like, um, be in control and put others on defense. Mm-hmm. Bruh. I wrote that one down. Bruh. Yeah. Like 
I was driving and I had to pull over. I was like, wait, wait, John, wait. This that got good to me. Be in control of yourself and put others on defense. And I'm just I mean like, the game, the, the game behind the game, you know, no. understanding the game behind the game. It was a and, lot. It, yeah, when his when his father told him to always study the white study the white man, it yeah. wasn't you know because the white man was evil. It's like the white man has access and is in places and spaces that you aren't in. Yeah, so you're gonna have to study the white man to be able to maneuver. Yeah, I mean the art of war is to first learn your opponent. Yeah, yeah, right. And so yeah. like it, that that was good. I liked how he kept referring to heredity, environment, and time. Mm-hmm. Like the lessons or or how we were trained by America, um, I thought that was profound. How he how he broke that down. Like this is this is what we got to do. And I I also I also appreciated the the narration of his role as a protector. Not just oh for, oh, but protecting his his players. For sure, but like, anybody. Yeah, how he just yeah. like the brother was like Frank Lucas. <laughs> it was like no, 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 no. This, this, this what this is what I need to happen. Yeah, or toe to toe with drug pen. You know, oh, yeah. I, I mean, when you, when you're 16, you could do that. Yeah, <laughs> when you're 16, but not only and, and he he wasn't utilizing his his size nah. as an intimidation factor. Right. He he basically when he was having a conversation with uh, the drug, the, the kingpin, like he was having a conversation. Right. He's like, Let's have a conversation. The Jesse Jackson and the Nike thing. That was hilarious when he was like, same thing. Yeah. But same thing. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't a sheer will that yeah. he, you know, that he would he would influence. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh-huh. I thought was dope. Which I thought was really dope. And Jeff, you said something earlier about how he um, came into the coaching position at Georgetown. You know the crazy part is the catalyst behind that was Martin Luther King getting assassinated and and watched him burn into the ground. And Georgetown University at the time kind of. Finding finding the finding the courage to say, you know what, we got to do something for black people in this city, and that was one of the ways that they showed that was by hiring John Thompson. And let's be honest, that's crazy. Isn't that synonymous of today? Something happens, and it's like that. That's the only thing that's going to drive me to make a decision that I should have done a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say this. Um, I don't know if y'all agree or not. Reading this story, like, so I always known that Georgetown is a, a great institution from academic standpoint, you know, they have um, a lot of like, good resources for uh, students, even at my time at Howard, I've been to some of their like open class sessions, just listening on, on things. To a certain extent, I, I have a little bit more respect for Georgetown, Georgetown. <laughs> George Washington, <laughs> Georgetown University, they cousins, they right by each other. They up the street. <laughs> but yeah. right, little, right down M Street from right. each other. If you don't know. Um, I have a little bit more respect for them because to hire someone like him during that time, I feel like that, not only did that take courage, but to also allowed them to be who they, who they were. Like he never yeah. felt like he, and again, I'm, I don't, I, if you asked him if he was alive, 
I don't think everything was just rosy, but they understood who that, who that they hired and they let him operate in his like ability. Like they, they was like, Oh, that's just John. And I don't know. Like, it was kind of like, I thought that was dope of them regardless of the reasoning behind it, but just to allow him to do that for so long. And they had these very low expectations for him, but he had expectations beyond the basketball court. So I, I kind of like tipped my hat off to them because I thought that was a, a good win for them, at least in that regard. I, I can respect that. I can respect that. Especially, you know, they talking about what did they say in the book said, uh, yeah, we can make it to uh, the NIT tournament every now and then <laughs> have a decent season every now and then. Like that was the bar. Now, you know, for all of, for all of you members of the village that are involved in sports or know about sports, you know, goodness well, don't nobody care about the NIT. <laughs> Not in the tournament. Who cares? Unless, 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 unless your, unless your school made it because you didn't make the uh, NCAA tournament, yeah. <laughs> right? But you know, at the, at the same time, um, Jeff, to your point, when you talked about they kind of gave him the space to be him, um, but that is something that I think he was really trying to articulate throughout the book that as black people, black men in particular. We always don't have that space. A lot, a lot of times we don't have that space to be us. And he kept uh, he kept referencing um, Gandhi's quote, uh, freedom, freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. See, when he was at Georgia, he had the freedom to make those kinds of mistakes. And I think that was also um, part of the, the empathy and understanding that he had developed with all of his players and members of his staff and people that his, his, his uh, teachers and mentors and people that he had came in contact with um, because he recognized that at least the, the population that he was responsible for black men, all, a lot of the black men that he, he brought to Georgetown, uh, he, he was the kind of the olive branch <laughs> or the clean slate or the second chance yeah. for many of those players knowing knowing that you know they didn't have very much room for error in the first place and so like it's it's dope that they did it but like you said jeff is like yo man it like it took martin luther king getting assassinated and the city burning down for that for that epiphany right yeah (laughs) or or the it, it took you know it took uh alan iverson getting uh, arrested and, and being sentenced sentenced to 15 years in jail behind some BS to say, Oh, that ain't right. <laughs> he's yeah. He's, he's, he's a little more than an athlete. I mean, we like him because he, 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 he plays basketball and football at the time, et cetera. But this is a, a human being, a young man that didn't is on the verge of not getting that second chance because of something that he didn't do. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. So you know that quote that kept coming up throughout the book. I don't know. It seemed like that was part of his mission too, to just give people the latitude to, you know, achieve high expectations. He didn't set the bar low for anyone, but giving people the the, the latitude to um, reach a certain goal, uh, achieve a certain level of expectation, with the understanding that everyone's going to make mistakes along the way to some degree. And giving and giving people the space and the place in order to do that, and I think I mean honestly, man, I think that that's his biggest legacy to me. You know, especially when he talked about uh, 
the athletes that graduated, the, the ones that stayed four years, 70, 78, uh, 76 out of 78 ball players earned a Georgetown degree. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And so he didn't sacrifice winning <laughs> for the sake of education or education for the sake of winning. Mm-hmm. But, but somebody had to give him that, that space to really be himself in order to do that in a place where he was part of the fabric and had the understanding of the different nuances and context of the people that they wanted to recruit, mm-hmm. that it wasn't a situation like, oh, you get you get good grades, you get good grades and you go to Georgetown and you play ball. Nah, it's like a lot of those kids that he was helping didn't have food to eat, appropriate training, pass through schools, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'm like, man, I... I don't know, man, him, him in his position, I just really feel like to me, it it gave me like a a deeper connection to like the sixties or, or Martin Luther King, because he was a part of it. He, He grew up in it, but he was also like the catalyst that brought forth a lot of the change. After, after the civil rights movement. And he did it through sport. Yeah, and it was, it it, it crossed a whole lot of sectors, right? Because yeah. then he wanted, like, he was connecting with individuals that owned casinos. Mm-hmm. He was connected with individuals who was building the tables um, where powerful decisions and, and, and policies were being made, right? The silent protest of um NCAA rules and politics that was instituted like it it was the brother was powerful beyond measure and I think I don't think he was fully aware of the magnitude that like the ripple that he was creating how far down the stream people would see the, the the effects I think he was aware for his athletes Cause you know, he was big enough, all of his athletes and what they accomplished after the program and after playing for him mm-hmm. to your point though, I don't think that he probably understood the magnitude of the ripple to give me and you and Jeff like aha moments like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Cause they were simple it, lessons and it was just yeah. like, Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Like I, I could, I could definitely appreciate this. And so clearly this is probably going to be one of the easiest ones on the black power fist scale. We go, we go kick it to Jeff first. Yeah. We're going to Jeff first, man. I don't want to do that. Nah, nah, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want, I want it to be, I want it to be recorded. (laughs) I want a public record. Look, this is what the people come for. <laughs> <laughs> they come for the title, and they coming for what he gonna rate. What he gonna rate? <laughs> <laughs> they, they listen to the first five minutes, and then they go to the last five minutes. That's real. Hey, okay, 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 John Thompson. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> what I was gonna say is. You know, you never know what the actions of your your life or your purpose will mean to other people. Um, again, prior to this book, all I knew about John Thompson is, look, he was his head coach, won this championship. He was the first to do it. I didn't really know anything else 
about him. Um, the the biggest aha moment was him really be really being from DC, like not just hey I grew up here, then I moved out to <laughs> Hampton Roads, like somewhere that's like close by, but you're mm-hmm. not you're not really in the mix of it. Like no, he is really from it. When you talk about this is my favorite rib place, or you know I used to go here, or this is when this this place looked like this, but it's, it's something now different. So just seeing that he is really he was really of the DC like culture. Shout and, out to U- UDC University of District of Columbia, his alma mater for yeah. his graduate degree. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, right across the street from Howard Law School. Um. <laughs> Y'all see how he just did that? You it see how he brought it back to Howard? Wasn't even about you, man. It yeah, well, it's all good. It's all good. C- continue. Uh, so I say all that. You know, I, I think this this book was much deeper than that. And that's what the conversation has been about. Just the, the the deepness of it. It just felt like sitting in the living room, like with your uncle, and he giving you not only just like stories about basketball or stories about like how he was a part of it, whether it be a coach, whether it be a player, but also to what was the bigger story within it. However, however, this book does get into the nitty gritty of like stats, uh, team, team dynamics, things of that sort. And as a result, I can see that like that can either pull you in as a reader or that can even make you bored. I can see how someone who isn't really into basketball or stats like that they can just be like you know what I can do away with you know it was this game this many points we had two free throws we missed it I got ejected so with that being said I would say that this book is is most suitable for someone who either is born in this area like they have some type of connection with DC and they probably just want to know more about that or like a sports or basketball historian with that, what's it out of again? <laughs> I can't. You notice I'm just being real quiet over here. Why, Why man? <laughs> With that. With that. I'm gonna give this book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it four stars or four fist pumps. That's real. That's all you got. You're just gonna say four and just leave it be. And that's it. Four. It's I mean, and it's four because of those reasons. Again, when, when mm-hmm. I give a recommendation, I'm giving it from my standpoint, but I'm also like just a regular reader. Like, would I could this book be read by everybody and they would like it? I'm saying no. I I enjoyed it, but I also can see how it could not. It's fair. That's fair, man. That's why. That's why you part of the the brain trust <laughs> to bring a different perspective, a vastly, vastly different perspective <laughs> from myself. <laughs> Night and day perspective, actually, <laughs> cousin Jeff. You also now, from this area, though. I had to tell town from Hampton Roads, man. So I'm not necessarily from DC, but I've been in the area for a minute. You're from DMV. You always grew up being a Georgetown fan. Like you said, your grandfather was that. Like, that's not my, that, that's not my childhood. And, and if it was, I definitely can see giving this book five. But see, this the th- is this, this the thing, man. I'm going to give it five fists. I know that. I'm going to give it five. I'm going to give it five fists. But I'm not going to give it five fists, Cousin Jeff, 
for the reasons that you say I'm going to give it five. See, this book to me was not just about sports. I don't even think the book led with sports, even though one could perceive it being, you know, uh, kind of mundane with, you know, arbitrary st- uh, stats from different players from different eras that may not have been the Allen Iversons, Alonzo Mornings, Patrick Ewans of the world. Check. I get that. But what I will say is um, his his sport storyline to me was the basis I guess I guess the foundation that he built all of the other stories in the book on. Like to me, his his career in basketball was like a point of reference on a timeline. It wasn't the timeline. So I would disagree with you that, you know, one who may may not be familiar with sports, familiar with DC, familiar with John Thompson, couldn't enjoy the book. I think this book is it could be enjoyed by anyone who loves sports or anyone who loves history, anyone who uh, is looking to gain some insight from uh, a black public figure who was around across like eras. You know, he talked about meeting, he met what presidents from Ford to Obama. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, damn, that's (laughs) what's that? 40 years, (laughs) something, something, something like that. And so when you when you talk about the context of um, life in D.C., it, it gave you some in, in some uh, inside scoop of what real life in D.C. was all about. Life as a, a, a preeminent college basketball powerhouse, yes, but I would say really just life as being a black man in America and constantly. Um, in this mode of self-regulation because he's uh, I'm 6'10 booming voice dark skin like he he made he made that reference to his his appearance throughout the book and to me top of mind you know he wanted he he knew that he it was deeper so this is how the title the title came into, into the picture he knew that he was made up of much more than just being a 6'10 basketball coach. Like he knew he was an educator. He knew, he knew that he wanted to fight for the less fortunate. He knew that, um, you know, his upbringing would play some kind of role in his purpose. You talked about being a purpose driven life or having a purpose driven life. Like John Thompson is the epitome of that just based off the book alone, not, not Kevin's feelings about John Thompson. But I will say, Alonzo Mourning, Chesapeake, Virginia, Allen Iverson, Hampton, Miami Virginia. Miami Heat Hall of Famer. Miami Heat Hall of Famer. So Miami Heat Hall of Famer. So John, John Thompson is always going to always gonna be one of the goats <laughs> in, in, my, in my arena. But his book just gave me um, so much more appreciation that um, – your life can have impact at different stages. This is a guy who played with Bill Russell and won two championships, <laughs> never got in the game because he was a backup to Bill Russell for the Celtics. Like that's really like that's really how his coaching career, like his coaching career got started in a very weird way because he stopped playing basketball 
because he didn't want to go to Chicago because he knew they were going to be trash. Like, you ain't going to go from the Boston, Boston Celtics to Chicago in the 60s. Nah. So he just said, I, I won't play anymore. It was like principle. Then if he, once he stopped playing, well, what are you going to do? Oh, well, you know, I want to be educated. So I, I'm going to get my master's at Federal City College, now known as University of District of Columbia. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work in the jail. And you know what? I'm a coach high school basketball at a Jesuit school in D.C. because I went to a Jesuit school in D.C. Like his his life, it just seemed like he was in the right place at the right time, but it was some kind of tumultuous occasion that got him there. And he just, he rolled with it. He took the bumps and the bruises and eventually came out of the shadows to be like this well-rounded philosophical intellectual uh individual and to me man i think anybody can identify with that regardless if you're a sports fan or you know just a regular layman that wants a a good read and so i'm gonna give it five power signs man because it's all about this. This book was all about black power, man. It was all about black power. All through it. All about black all through power. It. Through the bounds yeah. of the book, it was. And so, yeah. um, I echo everything that has been stated. Um, like the leadership guru and me was like on the edge of my seat the whole entire time I was reading this because it was it was so rich with lessons beyond the surface a lot of the stuff could be applied on the surface but when you went deeper it was some life-changing stuff man so i too am giving it a five um the composition of how the storyline flowed like i said like the the small the small mechanics that the author utilized um like the transition from chapter to chapter um the incorporation of history life lessons humor facts stats and then brings it right back to like this is why i'm writing a book after all um yeah like whoever picks this up can find something in it they may not think it's going to be a five like i did but whoever picks this up can find something that could that that can quench a thirst or um fulfill a hunger and so every time i was reading the book i kept kept hearing uh big sean's song bigger than me playing in my head because everything he did had a larger purpose than why he was doing it. And so um, that's a 4.6 repeating, rounded up to a 4.7 for John Thompson's I Came as a Shadow. Very good read, man. This was Kevin. Excellent read. Kevin, Excellent we, read. We, we, question, though. Have, yeah. have we, had, uh, we never had a five. All three of us gave up one book of five, have we? You want to know why we haven't had a five, Jeff? <laughs> oh, wait, time out. There have been times I've given a five. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and, and we're going to have to check the tape. <laughs> hey, Brother Jay, we're going to have to check the tape, man. And don't, and, and, but, 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 but Cousin Jeff, don't, don't, don't feel bad that, oh, you, that you, are the, you are like the Ebert. Like if this was like Jones Holmes... <laughs> you you be the Ebert. I'm Jeff. That's why. 
Fair, fair. You ain't never, you ain't never given two thumbs up, man. I don't think we've had a perfect five yet. No, nah, we haven't had a perfect five yet. We haven't. But when we I'm do, when for we, the younger generation. When, <laughs> close the show. Close the show. Hey, man. I came as a shadow, an autobiography. John Thompson with Jesse Washington as the co-author. 4.7 fists out of 5 on the Black Power scale with the Gang Recognized Gang podcast with RLJ and Kev along with Cousin Jeff. Um, you have just witnessed another edition of Bourbon and Books with the GRG show. Till next time, be light. Be light.